0: Alright, we're going to get started tonight. This is, uh, our class is Biblical Principles for Financial Success. Um, I'm glad that the Bible uh, doesn't just tell us uh, how to get to heaven and how to stay out of hell. I'm glad the Bible gives us some very practical um, principles uh, on how to live our, our life. Most of you were in my marriage class right before this finance. Financial class, but the Bible just you know tells us how to run our our, our lives in, in every area of our life, and uh, that includes uh, our finances. So, we're going to talk about biblical principles for financial success. Uh, we're going to talk about some of Solomon's secrets. Solomon was uh, um, the richest man that ever lived. Uh, even to this day, would be the richest man that ever lived so surely uh, he knew a little bit about finances he also uh, had great wisdom uh, and uh, gave us some incredible principles and teachings and training uh, in the area of finance we're going to talk a little bit about Solomon's secrets to financial success talk a little bit about Dave Ramsey's uh, uh, teaching how many are familiar with Dave Ramsey almost everybody. And uh, then we're going to throw a little of Mike Benson in there. So we're going to get a little bit of everybody, a little bit of uh, Solomon, a little bit of uh, Dave Ramsey, a little bit of Mike Benson, all of that together. Hopefully we'll throw it all together and we'll get some good stuff as we go along. Let's just uh, begin the, the, the class tonight with prayer. Father, I am grateful and thankful that you love us enough and care enough about us that, that, that you've given us some incredible teaching and training and some incredible um, principles on how to guide our life and even in the area of finance. And uh, God, I just pray, Lord, that you will lead us and direct us and guide us and help us through, these, uh, through this teaching tonight. I pray you'll help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what uh, the Holy Spirit would have me to share tonight as well as what we have. Have prepared. Open our hearts to receive it. Help us to become doers of your word and not merely hearers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, our first class, we talked about uh, Solomon's first secret to financial success, and it was simply develop a plan. Develop a plan. You know, you wouldn't build a house without a set of plans, would you? That would be kind of Ridiculous to try and build a house without a set of plans. Uh, You wouldn't build a business without a, a business plan or a business model. The reason why most people fail in the area of finance is because they have no plan. They have no plan for their finances. They sit around wondering where all their money went instead of telling their money where to go. And that's what we need to learn to do, and that is, instead of wondering where our money has gone, where did our money go, we need to tell our money, give our money direction, tell our money where to go. We talked about uh, a very simple uh, three-step plan. We talked about the fact that there's more than one financial plan, but I gave you a very, very simple three-step plan to financial success. Uh, step number one is pay God first. Pay God first. We talked about that. And how do we do that? We do that through what? The tithe, right? The tithe. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 that the tithe or, or the first 10% of our income is not ours at all, that it belongs to God. And, and, and God demands it. He demands it. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. And God commands it and but God said that if we would pay him first that if we would honor him with the first of our income the first 10 percent of our income uh, God promised two things what were those two things God promised he promised protection right and he promised provision provision he said he said if you'll honor me with the tithe if you'll tithe if you'll if you'll pay me first if you'll give me the first 10 percent of your income God said I'll open the windows of heaven over your life, right? I'll provide for you everything that you need. And then he, he promised protection. He said, if you will honor me with the first 10% of your income, he said, I will protect you. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That That is devouring your finances. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So, so if and then the Bible said that, that, that in Malachi chapter 3, it says that, that if you're a tither, uh, that you're under the blessing of God. But it says that if you do not tithe, the Bible says, I didn't say it, but the Bible says that you've robbed God and you're under a financial curse. It's plain. It's in Malachi chapter 3. Read Malachi chapter 3. So, so the first step uh, to your financial plan is to pay God first. Get, get out from under the financial curse and get under the blessing. Um, let, me, let me give you a, a, an interesting scripture. Uh, I looked up today, Haggai. Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 6. The word of the Lord says, Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Wow. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. And, and I think that's, the, that, that's a good description of a lot of people. Maybe some of you here today. See, see for so many people, their financial uh, problem is not the fact of their income. It's not that they don't make enough money. Now, for some people, that is the problem. But for most people, it's not that they don't make enough money. Because the matter of the fact is, there's other people that make less than they do and do better. And, and do well on it, and they can 't seem to, to to make ends meet on more than others uh, make uh, that do great and, and it 's like uh, the more I make it doesn 't seem to matter to them it's like it 's like they 're putting their money. I, I remember a friend of mine uh, telling me that, uh, that, that that he put money in his pocket and it, you know and, and, and it was gone, and he put more money in his pocket, and it was gone and, and Finally, he's gotten smart enough to realize, hey, I got a hole in my pocket, and he turned his pocket inside out, and sure enough, there was a big old hole in his pocket, and no matter how much money that he stuck in that in, in his pocket, it just kept going going through because there was a hole in his pocket, and that's the way a lot of people are. Maybe that's even somebody here tonight. It's not that you don't make enough. There's a hole in your pocket, and we got to find out what those holes are and, and try and, and, and uh, You know, either get you another pair of slacks, okay, or sew up the the pocket, okay? But now in, in, in Haggai chapter 1, verse 6, where it says, your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes, the, the, the problem there was these people were guilty of focusing totally on themselves and not focusing on the Lord with their money. It was all about them. It was all about them and their possessions and nothing about God, nothing about God's house, nothing about the Lord. It was all about them and not about the Lord. And so, and so their money disappeared from them as quickly as it came to them. And that's a good description of a lot of people, maybe even someone in this room tonight. So... Simple three-step plan. Number one, pay God first. Number two, pay yourself second. Pay yourself second. Why is it that we do all the work and everybody else gets all the money? Why is it that we, we, we work, 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 and we pay everybody? We pay everybody, but we don't pay ourselves. Isn't that crazy? We've done the work. We've done the sweat. And yet we're, you know, we're paying GMAC, we're paying first mortgage, we're paying you know, Visa, we're paying uh, JC Penney, we're, pa- we're paying all, we're paying everybody gets, when we get a paycheck, everybody gets paid but the one that did the work. So after you pay God first, pay yourself second. Pay yourself second. Here's what you need to do. First of all, you need to develop an emergency fund, an emergency fund. Um, Dave Ramsey says, first of all, scrape together $1,000. Scrape together $1,000 for, for just a, a, a minimum uh, emergency fund. I have a garage sale, you know, uh, or sell something on, on, on Craigslist or eBay or something, uh, whatever. Just scrape together, however you can, scrape together $1,000 and get together $1,000 for an emergency Then after you scrape together $1,000 for an emergency, then then work really, really hard at trying to, to, to get three to six months living expenses. Three to six months living expenses. Try and get that scraped together. I mean, that's going to take you a little bit of time, especially if you are in financial trouble. But do everything you can to get three to six months living expenses. Do that, okay? And then after you do that, After you do that, and see, you're investing in yourself. You're investing in yourself. But then after you get to yourself an emergency fund of $1,000, then an emergency fund of three to six months living expenses, then start paying off your debt. Then start paying off your debt. And we'll talk about the debt snowball here in a little bit. We'll start talking about that, but pay off your debt. And then, and only then, start investing. Only after you're tithing, only after you have an emergency fund, of uh, at least three months of of living expenses, only then do you need to start investing. Investing, if you know 401k or whatever it is that you have, if you have something at work, and especially if somebody matches your money or whatever, man, for sure, for sure, for sure. Or uh, you know, get you a good financial planner and invest in in in, in good quality uh, mutual funds that have a good track record of about eight to ten years. Uh, other things you could do, you know, uh, it's not for everybody, but maybe a rental property or something that you, that you can do. But the key is diversify, diversify. Grandpa said, don't put all your eggs in one basket, okay? Grandpa said that, but Grandpa didn't really say that. The Word of God teaches that. It teaches diversification, diversify, diversify, diversify. Uh, how many remember, are old enough to remember Enron? Okay. Remember how? I mean, I I know I, I'm, a lot of people lost everything. I know a, a man who was going to retire. He was going to retire at age fifty, and he was on track to do it. And he was only like forty, but he was going to. But at forty, he had seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in Enron stock. He lost every dime, every dime. Well, what if he had only had? Three Half of that in Enron stock and the other half in something else, okay? He would only have lost half. Diversify. I don't care how solid everything is. Diversify. Don't put everything, don't put all your eggs in one basket, okay? Three steps, simple, three-step step plan for financial success. Pay God first, number one. Number two, pay yourself second. And then number three, are you ready? This is the third one. This one is really, really... I mean, it's, it's just, uh, you, have, you need to be a, a rocket scientist to understand this third one. It is so, so uh, uh, deep and, and, and thought-provoking, and not everybody will be able to grasp this. Are you ready? How many's ready? Spend less than you make. How come everybody knows that, but nobody does it? Hello? Okay. And I promise you that if you'll pay God first and get under the blessing of God, get God's protection and get God's divine prosperity over your life, I'm not saying you're going to be rich and you're going to drive a Cadillac and you're going to have all this and that and everything, but, but prosperity, how many know prosperity is simply having more than you need? Right? If you have a dollar more than you need, you're prospering, right? Because you got all your needs met you got more than that, you're prospering, okay? So I'm not telling you you're going to be rich or wealthy or whatever, but I'm telling you, if you'll get under, if you if you'll get in God's uh, uh, under God's plan, pay God first, pay yourself second. Get yourself an emergency fund for the emergencies that are coming. Then you'll start paying off debt. You get that debt paid off. Everything besides your house. Work on your house later, but get everything paid off, including your cars. Everything paid off besides your house. Then start investing. Okay, and then number three. Live on less than you make. Live on less than you make. And if you will do these three things consistently and you'll commit to it over the long haul, uh, you'll do well. You will do well. You will have all of your needs plus much more. All right, in our uh, first lesson, we talked about developing a written budget, giving every dollar a name on purpose on paper. How many of you did that? Thank you. All right. Develop a written budget. Give every dollar a name on purpose on paper. What are you doing? You're telling your money where to go instead of wondering where your money went. Let me remind you, your house payment or rent should not exceed 25% of your regular take-home pay. Not including bonuses, not including overtime. You say, why not? Because what if they stop giving bonuses? And you set your house payment up based on your bonus. What if they stop overtime and you set your... your uh, see, see, here's the problem that most people have. The problem, that, the reason why most people get in trouble financially is that they set themselves up best-case scenario. If everything works perfectly, I can make it. Well, let me tell you, it's not a perfect world. I love to play golf, okay? That's my only vice. My one and only hobby is golf, okay? The number one uh, mistake that an amateur golfer makes is, is we having golfers in here? Any golfers? Any goofers? Okay, so I'm the only golfer in here, okay. The number one mistake that a golfer, an amateur golfer makes is he doesn't take enough club. He bases getting his club, the club he uses, he bases it on, okay, if I hit this in the sweet spot, if I hit a perfect shot, I need a five iron. Well, you know what? Only about one out of 20 times will he hit it perfect. And so, and so he's going to come up short 19 out of 20 times because he took out of his bag what he, what he needs to hit uh, if he hits it perfect. Okay, I've, So I've learned to take one, sometimes two clubs more. If I think I need a five iron, I'll take a three iron. Because nine times out of ten, I'm not going to hit it perfect, and it, so I'll take more than I thought I was going to need, and I'll just come up just right. Or if I hit it perfect, you know what? Usually I come up short, and I have to chip up to it, so what's the difference in chipping back to it from it's a little bit little further? So what I'm saying is, is that we set our budgets and our financial lives up, you know, like, okay, I, okay, okay, I'm going to take a five iron here. I mean, we're saying, if everything works perfect, then I'll be able to make that house payment. But everything ain't going to work perfect because you're going to have emergencies. You're going to have things that are going to happen, going to take place. So, you know, so give yourself some margin. Say margin. Margin. Give yourself, live below your means. Most people live above their means. Don't live above your means. Don't live to your, live below your means. All right. So your house payment or your rent should not exceed 25% of your regular take-home pay. If 30, don't sell your house if you're 28%, okay. But if 30 to 50% of your take-home pay is going to a mortgage or going to rent, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. It's not going to work very long. Okay? Use the envelope system. Were you here for the envelope system? Remember what we talked about? The envelope system. Where you have an envelope system that's everything you pay. I know you can't pay your house payment with the envelope, but you can pay just about everything else. But all you know, uh, uh, all 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 these envelopes with different things. You know, entertainment. Although if you're in debt, you don't get any. Your in- entertainment is your third job. Okay, getting out of debt. Out of debt. Okay. Um. We talked about the fact that people use. Using cash rather than credit or debit cards will spend less. The financial experts say they will use as much as twenty-five percent less. I don't know if they're right or not, but I remember we talked about the fact that we pull out this credit card or this debit card, and it doesn't. It, you don't feel it, do you? You know, if I if I if I go to Starbucks and get a four-dollar drink, and I swipe this card. It doesn't seem any different, doesn't feel any different than if I go to the grocery store and load up my basket and it's $172 and it's still just a swipe, right? And it feels just the same, but it's a little bit different when you go to pull out $172 worth of cash, you know, out of your envelope. You'll think twice about it than just a swipe. And the experts, I'm not a financial expert, but I've read all of them and and, and after them, and, and, and all of them say that, if, you know, you, it's amazing how much money you will, you, you will save just by going cash instead of that credit card or that, or that uh, debit card. We talked about, did we, did we talk about the snowball uh, effect of how to, how to, we do that, okay. I'm just going over this though because I've got some new ones here, so I'll just do it really, really quick. But if you're in debt, what you need to do is you need to take the smallest the smallest debt you have. I don't care what, you know, you say, well, no, I'm going to attack that one with got the most interest. That's what's smart, and we need to take what, that's what we ought to do. No, here's what you need to do. And this is Dave Ramsey, but it makes sense and it works. Take the smallest debt you have and, 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 and throw every, every dime of extra money you can on, on that debt and get that little debt paid off. And then when you take that, the money that you've been paying on that little bit. but first of all, when you do that, then you're going to, it's going to feel good. I got a debt paid off. I mean, I might only owe $172, but still I paid off a of debt. That feels pretty good. And so now I'm going to take that extra 20 bucks I've been throwing at that, and I'm going to put it at that next smallest debt, plus what I've already been paying on it, and I'm going to throw that at that debt. And every dime I can get. And then after I get that second little debt paid off, then I'm going to take what I was paying on the first one, what I was paying on the second one. I'm going to put that together. Now my, you know... The you know I started out with maybe a little ping pong ball and now maybe I got a baseball size uh, wad of money to work with. Now I'm gonna we'll put this on that other debt now, and it just and 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 the next one and the next one and all of a sudden you got this big old boulder of money that you're throwing at some significant debt, and all of a sudden man, it's working. It's working. I I challenge you. It it, it does work. All right. Okay. Um, I, I, I challenged you, asked you to keep track of every dollar you spent for, for a week. To write down uh, every dollar that you spent. Write it down, where you spent it, what you spent it on, and how much it was. How many did that? No one did that. Okay. All right. I'm going to challenge you again. I'm going to challenge you again between now and next Wednesday night. Listen, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. And I can help you. I can help you. I'm you know, I got kind of mean at the end of the class last Wednesday night, or two Wednesday nights ago, and you guys still came back. So I'm going to try it again, all right? Uh, Listen. I want to challenge you. Don't just say, well, you know, it's just another Wednesday night class and I decided to go in there because I knew Pastor would throw in a joke or two and make it a little easier on me to get through the class, you know. Or or maybe he's, you know, maybe he'll bring some goodies or something. No, I'm going to challenge you to make to to do something, to do something with, with the material that I'm going to give you in these next eight weeks. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Don't just let it be some more notes that you put somewhere and stack them up with the rest of the other notes that you didn't do anything with. Listen, I'm going to challenge you to do something, to make a difference. Listen, you are deciding tonight. Tonight, you are deciding on your financial future. Tonight, you are deciding by whether or not you're going to do something with what you hear and what you receive. So let me challenge you. I know it's a little bit hard, a little bit of a pain, but get you a notebook or get you something, get you a spiral or something. Or, I'm I'm sorry, I'm old, right? Just get your stinking phone out, okay? <laughs> sorry, just get your phone out, you know, and just write it down. Just put it there. Just put it there, man. You know, when you walk into Starbucks and it's four dollars and seventy-five cents, put that down there. You know, and you know when you you know, uh, you know when the when, when the vendor comes by, you know at, at, at break time, you know. And, and you spent seven bucks, and it's not even lunchtime yet. Put that down there. Put it down. Put, it, put, every, put every dollar you spend, you and your wife, if you're married, put money down, and, 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 and it'll amaze you. It'll amaze you. Let me tell you, you have money you know not of. Did that sound spiritual? <laughs> you do. You have money you're not aware of. But you're flittering it away at Starbucks and, and, and the coffee guy that comes by with the card and, you know, and, and, and the $2.72 uh, iced tea you drink at lunchtime when you should have had some water and put a little lemon, a little sweetener in it, make your own lemonade. Come on now. Come on now. I, I'm not talking about people that have their finances together and, and everything's great. Well, man, you just you, you drink all the tea you want and all the Coke you want. I'm talking about people, people that are drowning in debt. I'm talking about people that have trouble uh, paying their bills and they're spending uh, 10 bucks a day uh, and that's not even lunch. You ought to be bringing a bologna sandwich to lunch. If, if you, that's right. Amen. Hey, I'm not, got plenty of money, great. You're paying God what you you owe God, that's great. You're giving the missions, that's great. You got your retirement all settling, all your your bills are paid, that's great. Have a double milk, no, that's another problem, you know. You need to, don't, don't need that double milkshake either, but do whatever you want, and you can do whatever you want when your finances are together. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. All right, so is this gonna be just another class you take, or are you gonna take it seriously? The class is useless to you if you don't apply what I'm teaching you. Okay? If you didn't write things down, I challenge you to do that this week. And if you do, you're going to find some patterns. And you're going to find some patterns you don't even know you've got. You're going to find some habits you don't even know you've got. You've got money you don't know about. You say, well, it's only four bucks. Yeah. It's four bucks today and four bucks tomorrow and four bucks the next day and four bucks the next day. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you'll discover some surprises. OK? All right, let's move on. You ready for tonight? Let's move on to Solomon's second secret. The second Solomon's secret for financial success is this: Take personal responsibility for your financial success. Take personal responsibility for your financial success. If you're new to our church or new to our class, I get a little animated when I talk about this because I'm passionate about it. And the reason I'm passionate about it it is because, number one, it's the number one problem in marriage today. 50% of marriages that end in divorce, they say it all stemmed from finances, financial problems. I want to stop some of that, so I get a little animated, so, okay? If you fail in the area of finances, you cannot blame anyone but yourself. It's not your parents' fault. It's not society's fault. It's not your teacher's fault. It's not the church's fault, and it's certainly not my fault, because I'm going to tell you about it. It's nobody's fault but yours. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds unsympathetic. But if I water everything down and say it's okay, it's okay, everything's okay, you'll do. You know, it's if, if you're if you're struggling financially, it's not okay, and it can be remedied. It can be remedied, and you'll never get out of the financial hole that you are in if indeed you are in a hole. And you will never stop struggling in this area, if indeed you are struggling in this area. You will never start heading in the right direction. You will never have a successful financial future unless you first take, financial, take personal responsibility for your financial future. It's your money. It's your financial future. It's your responsibility. Now, if you're married, the responsibility belongs to both of you. Now, let me say this. Whoever is the best at handling money in the the marriage uh, should take the lead. Say lead. Should take the lead in this area. But don't throw all the responsibility on the shoulders of just one. Just because they're better at it, don't throw all of the responsibility on the shoulders of that person. You are partners in every area of life, including finances. And so you should work on finances together. Never, say never. What did I say? Never make a a major financial um, decision by yourself. Never, without consulting your spouse, never. Make major financial decisions together and also be on the same page financially so you know you're making that budget together. You're giving, those, you're giving those, um, uh, that, those dollars a name together so you're agreeing together, okay? Now, we talked about this. Most of you are in the marriage class, but opposites attract. We talked about the fact that, you know, Man is, what is it? Man is from Mars, whichever one. One's from Mars, one's from Venus, whatever that book is, okay? Talked about that we are polar opposites in every way, from our bodies to everything else, and, and us men say, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? But those opposites attract. And, 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 and the problem, we talked about the fact that, you know, the two Opposites become one, but the problem is, which one? <laughs> is it him or is it her? It's not either. It's them, right? The two become one. The two become them. They begin to use us and we, not me and you, but us and we, right? We talked about that over and over, okay? And so opposites attract, and, 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 they attra- and, and they're opposites in just about everything. Um, opposites attract and they come together and if they meet in the middle uh, they become one and, 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 and they become balanced. They're out of balance over here and out of balance over here but the two together come together and meet in the middle and now there's balance. Well, usually in marriage one spouse is a saver a savior, and one is a spender because opposites attract. One is a saver and one is a spender. Now, The saver sees money flat and stacking. The spender sees money as round and rolling. Okay? The saver sees money flat and stacking. Spender sees it round and rolling. Okay? Now, I'm a saver. I'm a saver. I see money flat and stacking. And I've always been a saver. My mama tells the story that when I was just a, a, a little boy, uh, probably around 10 years old, we lived in a little small community in, in, in Oklahoma, and everybody was cowboys. And so believe it or not, your pastor at 10 years old was a cowboy. I was a cowboy. And uh, I had a horse, had two horses actually. And I was a cowboy. I had my boots and had my jeans and my cowboy shirt. And, 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 and I had an old cowboy hat, but I wanted a new cowboy hat. And I started my, you know, I, I worked my whole life. When I was eight years old, I was a, a shine boy, okay? I was a shine boy. When I was 10, I was a paper boy, okay? When I was 14, I went in my daddy's drywall business. So I've been working all my life. And so I've had a little bit of money all my life. So here I am at 10 years old, and I'm a paper boy. I throw papers, and, and I got a paper out, and I got money. I got money. Because even at 10, I paid my tithe, and then, man, I just, you know, I held on to just about every bit of the rest. And my mama tells a story about every Saturday we'd go to town. Remember what that expression, go to town? You know, that's what, you know, going to town, okay? And we'd go to town. I'd go to town with mama, and mama'd go shopping. I'd go shopping with mama, and we'd go in this department store, and, you know, mama'd go look at the dresses and look at the lady stuff and everything, and I'd go look at the, at the, at the cowboy hat. And there was a cowboy hat in there I wanted so bad. I wanted it so bad. And I'd put that cowboy hat on every Saturday. Every Saturday I'd walk in there, and, I, and that cowboy hat was always there. I don't know if there were several of them or whatever, but it was always there. I'd take that cowboy hat off of the shelf, and I'd put that cowboy hat on. And back when I was 10 years old, I, Brad, you know, you're not too much behind me. Back when, back in the day, uh, you know, like it's all, uh, uh, what what is on TV all the time now, it's, well, it's all those shows, those um, um, what are they? Huh? What am I trying to say? What, what are they? What one after the reality, and the other one is uh, all. But but all of those um, I can't even think now. It don't matter anyway. Back back in the day, it was cowboys. It was cowboys. I mean, it was it was um, it was shoot 'em ups. Everything was you know shoot 'em ups. You know, and cowboys and 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 uh, cattle drives and 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 riding broncs and and and. And uh, ranchers and far—it was, it was all about that. And so, and 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 you know the old Western days. You know, and the and you know Matt Dillon and all those guys. You know, and all the. All, all the the gunfights at the okay corral and all those things were going on so so and, and all those guys wore their hats different you know they all wore their hats different depending on what they were you know if they were you know the gunslinger he 'd put that he 'd put that hat down and so here I am on saturday i 'm looking in that mirror with that hat on and i 'm pulling that hat down real low, looking like a gunslinger you know and i 'm practicing my draw, you know and, and and then some I remember one guy was really cool he 's a real cool cowboy and he 'd take his cowboy hat he 'd kind of Put it sideways on his hat, on his head there, and it's just kind of—he kind of, was real cool, you know. And every, every other one, he had his hat just kind of, you know, just halfway on his head, you know. And I, and here I am, I'm looking at these, I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm doing all of these things that all these cowboys on TV are doing, you know. I'm just turning my hat every which way, and I'm just modeling everything and everything. And so, Mama will come up, she say, "You gonna buy the hat?" No, put it back on the shelf. Next Saturday. I'd come again, I'd do all that again, spend an hour in front of that mirror, man. I mean, you know, I'm just doing everything with that hat. I got the money in my pocket, I got the money for it, and there's the hat and I want it really bad. But my mama said, I never did buy that cowboy hat. I'm a saver, I see money flat and stacking. Well, others see it round and rolling, I mean, you know, my brother, one of my brother just a year older than me, he sees it round and rolling. And, and we'd get paid every week, you know, what was our paper route or when we went to work for my dad or whatever. Uh, we'd get paid every week and every week, every day, every day before school. I remember when he was like uh, 16 years old. Every day before school, uh, we'd stop at the convenience store and he'd write a check for $5. I mean, this was a long time ago. And, and he'd write a check for $5. And he'd spend that all day, every day. He'd spend that. You know, a Coke here, a candy bar here, you know. Uh, you know, a Twinkie here, whatever. You know, just something, every, you know. Every day. And it, you know what? He had absolutely nothing. Because he saw it round and round Now, there's not anything necessarily wrong with either one of those things. That's why it's opposites attract and the two together make a pretty good pair. Make a pretty good pair. But what, what I'm saying is, is that, is that we need to, uh, it, well, let me just tell you that in our house, and it's just unusual that uh, we're both pretty much savers. Uh, probably the reason is probably because we got married so young and because we went into full-time ministry so young and because we, you know, we had to learn to live on absolutely nothing and we had absolutely zero help from, from, from anyone. And uh, I remember our first church paid us, uh, we got paid weekly. That was W-E-A-K-L-Y. Um we had nine little widow ladies and two kids, you know, and, and the offering, you know, was every one of the ladies would bring a dollar every, to every service, and that was, you know, that was our living, was those, it depends on how many of those ladies showed up, that's how many dollars would be in the plate, and that was our, our living. Um, never called our parents, not one time for money, never were ever offered any money. Uh, learned how to take responsibility for our finances very, very early on. Had to learn how to live on less than, than nothing. Um, what I'm saying is, is that there needs to be a balance there somewhere. There needs to be a balance between the two. All right, let's, let's, let's move on. Um, I had a really, really good point, and I think it just went out my mind somewhere, but that's all right. Abraham Lincoln said, You cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by eva- evading it today. Cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. Now, let me tell you something very profound. Are you ready for something else that's really profound? You'll find out in my class I am so profound. I am so deep. Let me tell you something very profound. Tomorrow is coming. Isn't that profound? Tomorrow is coming. But let me tell you about tomorrow, okay? Let me tell you about tomorrow and All jesting and joking aside, a layoff is coming tomorrow. Aren't you glad you come to this class so you could get encouraged and built up? A layoff's coming tomorrow. Um, The typical worker in America today changes jobs every 4.6 years. That's the average in America today, somewhere between 4.4 and 4.6. Typical worker in America today changes jobs every 4.6 years. Sometimes it's their idea. Most of the times it's not. There used to be a day that if you got on with a major company, uh, you know, you were set for, you know, for life. You know, you could have 30 years and get the golden parachute and leave with a nice retirement package and a gold watch. Those days are far gone. They 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 just liable to just call you up tomorrow and call you in and give you the pink slip, and they might even ask you to clean out your desk tomorrow. Tomorrow's coming. I'm not trying to 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 to, to be negative. You know me very very much. You know that I'm not negative. I'm I'm, I'm not negative. I'm not a negative. Pe- I'm not a pessimist at all. I'm actually a realist. Actually, is what I am. Okay. And the reality is that that sometime in your future you're going to be laid off. Tomorrow's coming. And, and what's coming tomorrow is, is a layoff. It's coming. Okay? I hope it doesn't happen to you, but if you're like most, it will happen somewhere down the line. Let me tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow you're going to get sick. Aren't you excited that you come tonight so you could get encouraged? And I'll tell you, you're going to get sick. But you know how many people live their whole lives without getting sick? Very few. Okay, you're gonna get sick. You're going to get sick. Um, let me tell you about your tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're gonna to, you're gonna encounter a difficulty. Adversity is gonna knock on your door tomorrow. I don't mean in 24 hours. But I mean in your future. Adversity. I sure hope it's not divorce. I sure hope it's not a layoff. I sure hope it's not a major illness. I. I but I'm telling you. That there's a good possibility that that adversity is going to knock on your door tomorrow. Are you ready for it? Are you prepared for it? Or do you have your head in the sand? You have your head in the sand. It's going to happen to everybody else, but not going to happen to me. It's going to happen to everybody else, but not going to happen to me. What makes you so special? Don't you just love me? I'm just so sweet, right? But I'm really trying to help you. I really am. I'm really trying to help you. Let me tell you something else that's going to happen to you tomorrow. You're going to get old. You're going to get old. And, and I know that old age is relative. <laughs> Your relatives are old, you're not. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You didn't pay much for the class, you don't get much, okay? Old age is coming, the time when you can no longer work because you're either physically uh, unable to work, physically unable to do your particular job, or because nobody wants you anymore. Let me really encourage you there's going to come a day when nobody's going to want you anymore. It's going to happen to me. They're not going to want me anymore. Can't we get somebody younger in there to preach? Why can't we get one of these blazing 30-year-olds in here? The day is coming when you're not going to be able to do your job anymore. Either you're unable to do it, incapable of doing it, or they just don't want you anymore. Or they can, they can get rid of you and, and get somebody fresh out of college for half your salary. And then, and then, uh, you know, after that certain age, I don't know what that age is, but at that certain age, then you're almost unhirable. Why well, do I don't want to hire them? They're about looking for retirement. Oh, well, they'll let you sit and, they'll let you stand and, and say, welcome to Walmart. Tomorrow's coming. Tomorrow's coming. See, I just had my 60th birthday. I know I look 40, but I'm, you know, I just had my 60th birthday. I don't feel 60. I really, really don't. I actually feel better at 60 than I did at 50, because at 50, I weighed 225 pounds. At 60, I weigh 171. So I feel better at 60 than I did at 50. But I'm still 60, and I don't know how it happened. Brad. I don't know how it happened. I really don't. Tomorrow's coming, and it's going to get here faster than you think it is. And I know if you're young, you think, well, it's just that old geezer up there. Yeah, because that's what I thought, too, when I was sitting where you're at, and I was your age. But it happens in a flash, man. Do you have a plan in place to take care of you when that time comes? Because... Only 13% of people that were surveyed said they believe they will be able to retire comfortably. Only 13%. So take 100 people and ask them, are you, do you think you will be able to retire comfortably? 87 of those people said no. Only 13 out of 100 said yes only 23% said they were making proper preparation for retirement. That means 77 out of 100 are not making proper preparation for retirement. Let me ask you this question. You're not depending on social insecurity for your retirement, are you? on your age. I'm not even sure Social Security will be there when you retire. Depends on how old you are. Here's what you don't understand. Most, I'm not saying you. I don't know what. But most people don't understand. And that is Social Security was never intended to be a retirement program. It was a supplement. Social, social Security. That's even hard to say. Social security is a supplement to retirement. It's it's just one part of your retirement. And if you're depending upon social security alone for your retirement, let me just say, maybe you ought to start practicing eating Alpo right now you might be eating alpo. Let me ask you this. Will you be able to decide where you will live and how you will live, and what you can and cannot do? Will you have have the right to make those decisions, or will somebody else be making those decisions for you because somebody else is helping take care of you financially? My son teasingly says, Dad, I'm going to help you pick out your nursing home. No, you're not, son. I'm going to pick out my own if I ever end up there. Tell you what I promised both of my kids, and I actually promised them this. I said, first of all, I said, I am not promising you an inheritance, so you better make your own retirement. You probably will get an inheritance because your dad's a saver and he sees money flat and stacking he probably will but don't bank on it don't count on it you better make your own way okay I said what I do promise you is I'll never be a financial burden to you mama will never be a financial I'll make you that promise that we will never be a financial burden so you're not picking out my nursing home because I will have the money to pay for my own nursing home now it may eat up every dime I have and there may not be anything left for you and your and your sister but you will not Ever. I will never be a financial burden to you but your mother will never be a financial burden to you I will promise you that I will make sure through my investments through my savings through my insurance if you want to be in charge of your life when you are old you better take responsibility for it now and you're making that decision right now better take responsibility for it now. Because what you will have or won't have is being decided by you and for you right now. Your future is being decided right now. Your tomorrow is being planned or unplanned today. I don't know about you, but I don't want somebody else making my decisions for me in my old age. And I don't want to be eating Alpo when I'm 80. So I'm taking responsibility for my future right now. And all of us know people that have really, really good jobs. And they make really, really good money. And we know people that had really good jobs and made really good money. But when it came time to retire, they couldn't. They couldn't. Or they had to scale down their lifestyle a whole lot. I don't think it'd be a lot of fun to live your whole life a certain way and then come to retirement, you know, and you've got to sell your house, you've got to sell your car, you got to, you know, you got to, you know, you got to move on the total other side of the town and you've got to, you know, Sound like a lot of fun, does it? You're making the decision right now. But here they are. Man, they made plenty of money. And man, they lived the good life. Man, they partied hardy. Man, they partied through life. But when they got old, they had nothing. They had spent it all. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury but fools spend whatever they get. See, it's not necessarily how much you make. It's what you do with how much you make. It's not necessarily how much money you make, but how much you have, how much you keep, how much you're able to invest in your future. Last week, we talked about the what and the when. Now, the what is the goal. Whether your goal is to send your kids to college or whether your goal is to become debt-free or, your, de- or your, uh, your goal is to retire or whatever, the what is the goal. The what is what you want to do. The when is the timeline. So, for instance, what? Retire. When? Ten years from now. What? For instance, have my house paid off. When? Uh, seven years from now. The when gives the what a deadline. The when gives the what a deadline. The what divided by the number of of months or years between now and when tells me how much I have to pay on the what in order to reach it by the when. (laughs) Hope you got that. Last week we talked about the what and the when. Tonight I'm going to talk for just a little bit and I'm going to really hurry through this. I'm going to talk about the why. Let me ask you this question tonight. Why should you save? Why should you invest? Why should you get out of debt? I could take time if I had time to ask you and let you give me the answers. But let me give you the correct answer. And the correct answer is to provide financial freedom. Financial freedom. Say that term with me. Financial freedom. Say it. Financial freedom. Say it. Say it again. Say it with enthusiasm. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound great? Just a great sound of that, isn't it? Financial freedom. Remember what Solomon said in Proverbs 22 and 7? He said the borrower is servant or slave to the lender. Or in other words, the person is a slave to their debt. What is the opposite of a slave? Someone who is free, correct? See, I want to encourage you to sacrifice now some of the things that you want so that later you can have financial freedom. Because financial freedom gives you options. Say options. See, if you're in debt, you have very few options. If you're in debt and your boss mistreats you, you just have to take it. You can't afford to quit. Because if you quit, you can't eat. Some people get abused every single day at the job by their boss. Verbally abused. Why? They have no options. Some people hate their job. They hate it with a passion. I mean, it's grit. They're going on grit. It's everything they can do to get themselves out of the bed in the morning and get themselves showered and get themselves chug a lug some caffeine and go to job. They hate every minute of it, but they have no option, so they have to do it. If you're in debt, you have to move when your company transfers you to Podunk Holler. Because you have no option, you have to do that because you're in debt, because you're a slave, because you have no options, you're a servant, you're a slave to your debt. The average American today could not survive financially more than one month if they lost their job unless they had some outside help. Average today is broke and in debt. Who wants to be average? Not me. Let me tell you that if you're not in debt, if you're not in debt, you have options. You have options. You have options. Financial freedom offers options. Let me ask you this question. Which sounds better, obligations or options? Would you rather have obligations or options? I'm going to give you the chance to cheer for which one you like the best. All right, here it is. Get ready to cheer. Obligations. Did I hear a cheer? Let me do that again. Obligations. Options. That's pitiful. <laughs> obligations. Options. <laughs> obligations. Options. Yeah. What do you want? Do you want obligations or do you want options? Options. I want options. And the only way you're going to have options is if you take personal responsibility for your financial success. It's your money. It's your future. It's your life. The what is the goal. The when is the timeline. The why is the reason. And the reason is financial freedom. You see, debt ties your hands. Financial freedom unties your hands. Now, let me pause for just a moment and issue a caution. There are a lot of statements that I make, and I make them over and over because the only reason, way you get them is if, is if you hear them over and over. And I have people that I pastored 20 years ago that still say a lot of my sayings. They'll, in fact, on Facebook, I'll get somebody who'll say, you know, I, you know the other, I, and I'll see it like Pastor Benson used to say, and I hadn't been their pastor in 20 years. Okay, so it's on purpose. And one of the statements that I make a lot around here is this. It's not usually what you do that gets you into trouble. It's what you overdo. It's not what you do necessarily that gets you into trouble. It's what you overdo. Balance is a good commodity in every part of our life. To be out of balance in any area of life isn't good. For instance, overeating is bad. Because it leads to obesity, it leads to disease, it leads to all kinds and all types of problems. But it's just as bad to be undernourished or to become anorexic or bulimic in the process of losing weight, correct? Being out of control in your spending is bad. It's bad. But becoming so miserly that you don't take care of the genuine needs of your family or you cause problems in your marriage because you constantly yell at your spouse for spending money on genuine necessities for the family, that's not good either. To take responsibility and learn more about your finances is good. But to have money and savings and investing totally overwhelm you and totally overtake you and, and take it over the top. And when it totally controls your entire life, that's bad also. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 5 and 10 whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied. Henry Fielding said, making money your God, and it will plague you like the devil. So it's not necessarily what we do that gets us into trouble, but it is what we overdo that gets us into trouble. Balance is the key. Do I want you to get control of your finances? Yes. Do I want you to attack your debt? Absolutely. Yes, I want you to do that. But but I also want you to live in balance. It all goes back to the why. Why do we desire money? Why do we save money? Why do we invest? Do we do it so we can become rich? Do Do we do it so that we can live in luxury? Do we do it so that we can have more toys than everybody else? So we can put the bumper sticker on the back of our car. He who has the most toys at the end of life wins. Have you seen that one? No. He that has the most toys at the end of life doesn't win. He that has the most toys at the end of life dies too. You've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. No, no, no. Why do we do it? For financial freedom. Say it again. Financial freedom. So we can have options. Say options. So we can have choices. Say choices. So we're not slaves to our debt. So we can reduce stress. Reduce stress. Some of you have so much stress because you have no margin in your life. You don't have any margin in any area of your life. You don't have any margin in your activity because your activity, you know, you're going from the time you get up to the time that you go to bed. You squeeze about six hours a day into sleep, and the rest of it is is go, 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 activity, this, that. You have no margin, no margin, and so you're stressed. You have no margin. You have no margin in your finances, so you're stressed. You need margin in your life. Get your finances under control so you can have margins, so the stress can be reduced. So that you can be able to go where God calls you, when God calls you. So that you can give what God tells you to give. So that you will not become a burden to your family or a burden to the society when you are no longer able to work. Jim Rohn says, you must take personal responsibility. He says, you cannot change the circumstances, you cannot change the seasons, you cannot change the wind, but you can change yourself. That is something, he says, you can, that you have charge of. But let me tell you the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter. Again, I am not a pessimist, but I want to tell you, that most people never change. Most people never change. Here's another one of my sayings. You need to understand this. The greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. Say that again greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. I have people call me in reference for a pastor that maybe is interested in a local church, and they put me down, you know, or whatever, they'll call me and say, what do you think about Brother Smith being our pastor? What do you? Here's the question. How do you think Brother Smith will do as our pastor? And I will tell them, Brother Smith will do for you as your pastor what he did at the last place. So you need to find out what Brother Smith did at the last place. Because what Brother Smith did at the last place is what Brother Smith will do at this place. And what did Brother Smith do at the place before that and before that? Because the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. Doesn't have to be that way. You can be the exception and not the rule. Most people will do tomorrow what they did today and what they did yesterday. And if you're happy with today and you're happy with yesterday, then keep right on to it. But if you're not happy, and we're talking about finances now. So if you're not happy with your finances today, if you keep doing what you were doing yesterday, then tomorrow your finances are going to look just like they look today. Because the definition of insanity is what? Doing the same thing, expecting different results. Stupid, huh? But that's 99% of us. Okay? So, that's why I'm trying to drive, take you by the nap of the neck. That's why I'm trying to shake you. That's why I'm being over the top. And saying, if you want, if you're happy with the way things are financially in your life right now, then keep it up. Because tomorrow's going to be just like today. If you're not happy today, the only way tomorrow is going to be any different is if you make some changes. So make those changes. Listen to what's being said and make some changes. Okay? Can I have two more minutes? Somebody give me two more minutes? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixty, eight, twelve. Man, I've got lots of time. All right. Oh, I know they've done that a million times, but they still chuckle at it. Okay. Questions to ask yourself. Number one, have I taken personal responsibility for my finances? Ask yourself, have I taken personal responsibility for my finances? And be honest with yourself. Ask yourself question number two, what would financial freedom feel like? What would it feel like if I got out from under financial stress? What would it feel like? Let me just tell you by experience that a paid off car just feels better than a Car that you're paying three, four, five, six hundred dollars a month for—it just feels better. It just feels better. What would, what would financial freedom feel like? Hmm. What would it feel like? Number three: Ask yourself, who is better at handling finances—me or my spouse—and whoever is better at it is the one that needs to, 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 to you know, to, to lead it. But both, both should be involved. And then question number four, am I willing to pay the price for financial freedom? Am I willing to live like no one else right now so that later I can live like no one else now? Am I willing to make some major changes in my life right now so that I can get my finances under control and and especially so that I can get out from under the curse that's under my finances and I can get under the blessing? Am I willing to deny myself some luxuries and comforts today so that I can have some options tomorrow? Father, thank you for the time that we've had tonight. Thank you for the biblical principles we have. Father, thank you for the wisdom that we can glean from, from Solomon. Lord, the wisdom we can glean from, from people like Dave Ramsey and others, Lord, that have studied and others, Lord, that have fleshed out uh, uh, financial, um, uh, in the financial area. God, I just pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, I, I don't know the finances of, of those that are here I, I don't know why they're in here, but God, I just pray if there's any here, Lord, that they're upside down financially, Lord. They're, they're, they're in, a big, in a big hole financially. I pray they'll stop digging, and I pray they'll build a ladder, which is a plan, and we've given them a plan, and I pray that they will begin to climb that ladder one rung at a time, one step at a time, one little bitty step at a time, and eventually, if they'll stick, stick to it, they'll find themselves on top of that hole. And then after that, all, all on top of that hole, I pray they'll cover that hole up and never dig another hole. God, I pray for those, Lord, that are, you know, they're just getting by. God, I pray for those, Father, that, God, they, they, they just don't realize that they have more money than they think that they have. They're just, you know, it's just $5 here and $20 there and $17 there and $12 there. And, and if they could redirect that and if they could tell their money where to go instead of wondering where it went, they could make drastic strides and drastic changes and, and, and could do so much better financially. I just pray that you'll help us, Father, Lord, to, to do better. Father, so that when we stand before you on Judgment Day, Father, Lord, that we will, you will be pleased with us that we handled what you gave us correctly And uh, we'll find and be blessed for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.